Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. What a great example of what God can do when we are in community together. Let me invite you this morning to turn to Ephesians 3, either in your Bible or your electronic device. Our summer series is guiding our understanding of what it means to move from me to we. Now, when it comes to teeter-totters, we is a lot more rewarding experience than me. And the same is true with the Christian faith as well. And so Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus is reminding us, Jesus came not only to save us, but also to adopt us into a larger family of faith, from me to we. And so let's ask God to lead our reading of his word. Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, we come once again to your table of your word. We want to learn. We want to hear, we want your spirit to teach us and touch us in all of the ways that we need this morning. And Lord, thank you that you are ready to do just that. And so as we approach your word today, again, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, minds that would be receptive and hearts that would be responsive. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's hear God's word beginning in Ephesians 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold witness wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory." One of my all-time sports 
highlights occurred in 1984 when I traveled to Los Angeles and spent a week at the Summer Olympics. I had purchased my tickets a year before, actually managed to get in those days a week's worth of events for about $100. But when I arrived, I found another ticket venue and decided that there were other events I'd also like to experience. One of those was tennis. But unfortunately, I didn't have a ticket for that event. And so on the morning of that event, I took the bus to UCLA, and then I walked to the tennis venue, and I positioned myself outside with a sign requesting an extra ticket that would get me from where I was to where I wanted to be. How often in life do we long to be somewhere different than we are? But perhaps we're unsure how to get there or we're unable to do so on our own. Some of us may long for marriage that's more rewarding than it currently is. Some may long in singleness for friends who will know us more deeply. Some may long for better health or for greater meaning to our work or greater purpose to our days or greater financial security. If you're in school, you may long for greater respect or social standing among other students. Many of our life choices are prompted by the desire to be somewhere different than we are. But sometimes we need the help of others to move from where we are to where we want to be. When it comes to our relationship with God, experiencing everything that he has to offer, we can't do that on our own. And so Paul's words to us this morning help us to be able to understand that and how we can. Our passage actually begins with, with a bit of humor. Paul starts out with the phrase, for this reason, He's ready to say something prompted by what he's just written in chapter 2. But before he can even complete a sentence, he interrupts himself. And he moves in another direction. And today's passage is that interruption. It's not until verse 14 when Paul gets back on track using again that same phrase, for this reason. How many of us have ever watched an athletic or artistic performance that left us so inspired and so amazed we found ourselves thinking about it again and again, marveling at what we saw or experienced? Well, that's something of what's going on with Paul in this moment that causes him to interrupt himself. He's so staggered by what he's just written in chapter 2, he feels compelled to linger a bit longer on what's happened. 
And last week, Tim covered chapter two and Jesus' removal of the division between the Jews and the non-Jews or Gentiles. And Paul is so excited about this relational transformation that has taken place in God's church. He returns to it again in chapter three. And this time he uses more of his own personal experience to describe what God has done. And so we see him writing in verse two, the administration of God's grace that was given to me. And then in verse three, he writes about the mystery made known to me, the mystery representing what God was doing between Jews and Gentiles. And then again in verse four, uh, he talks about my insight into the mystery of Christ. And then in verse 6, Paul summarizes once again what he wrote in chapter 2 about God's dramatic movement of his followers from me to we. And he writes these words. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Paul interrupts himself because he couldn't get over the wonder of what God had done as well as the fact that he was chosen to be a messenger of it. Now I realize we are not all football fans here, but I hope you'll be able to grasp the following. Imagine the most avid Denver Broncos fan overnight becoming a Raiders fan. <laughs> don't, don't imagine it, that's not a good place to go. That kind of change doesn't happen. And neither does the change that took place in Paul's life and ministry. For when he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, the church's greatest adversary suddenly became its greatest advocate. And Paul, in verse 7, attributes this transformation to God's power in his life. He says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Now think about this. The power that resurrected Jesus from the dead. The power that, that changed Paul from adversary to advocate. The power that united Jews and Gentiles who had been divided for centuries. This same power is available for you and for me today. We, with God, provides so much more than me can experience on my own. And God assures us in 2 Corinthians that his power is made perfect in our weakness. And so let me ask this morning, where are you feeling weak in your life? Where do you feel vulnerable? Where do you feel like you are coming up short and in need of God's power? 
whatever came to mind just now, I encourage you to hold on to it as we continue on with Paul's next words in verse 8. For in verse 8, Paul writes about the boundless riches of Christ. The Greek word here literally means riches too vast to explore or inexhaustible. Commenting on this verse, John Stott wrote, Christ never impoverishes those who follow him, but immeasurably enriches them. So we've established that Christ's riches are limitless, but what if we try to put some definition to some of these riches that we have available? Well, first of all, we can think of peace. Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. There's unconditional love. Paul writes in Romans 8, I am convinced that nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's the riches of constant companionship. Jesus says, I am with you always. There's meaningful life. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. There's eternal life. For we read, whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so let me ask again, which of these qualities feel of greatest importance to you right now in your life? We have a promise of God's power. How do we need to experience that? We have the assurance of Christ's riches. Where do we need that in our life? But here's the big question. When it comes to experiencing God's power, when it comes to experiencing Christ's riches, how do we get from where we are to where we want to be? Paul provides us with that answer in verse 12. And what he says here is so important. I want to spend the remainder of our time on these words. Paul writes, in him, him being Jesus, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. The literal translation in the Greek of the words Paul wrote are, in Jesus we have boldness and access in confidence. In Jesus we have bold access to God. And the NIV renders this, we have the freedom to approach God. Jesus moves us from where we are to where we want to be in experiencing all that God has for us. And he himself declared, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now let's pause for a moment and notice that this is contrary to popular thought today. We see the bumper stickers. 
we hear elsewhere that there are multiple ways to God that are all equally valid. And that sounds nice. And it feels good. But if that is your belief, I would urge you to examine what basis and what authority it rests upon. If there is anything to the underlying foundation, then simply we want to believe that, and so we do. Now, admittedly, insisting that Jesus is the only way to God sounds restrictive. It sounds narrow-minded. But in response, I, I hope you'll pardon one more sports analogy. If you are going to a Broncos game, isn't it better to use the one source of access that the team has said will get you in than to bring a, a Colorado College hockey ticket or a Pikes Peak Center concert ticket on the assumption that whatever works will be equally well. Broncos games, ticketed venues don't work that way and neither does our access to God. Oh, friends, it's, it's not that anybody is trying to arbitrarily restrict how we get to God. It is literally that Jesus is the only way we can get there. Imagine, imagine having surgery this week, and, and, and right before your surgery, the, the, oh, somebody must be having, I see the fingers pointing, sorry. Junior tomorrow, that's right, junior tomorrow, pray, pray for her. Okay, just imagine having surgery. And right before the surgery, the surgeon walks into the room to introduce himself, and he is caked from head to toe in mud from making mud pies with his child that morning. You would postpone that surgery. Because mud, <laughs> there you go. You would postpone that surgery because mud and a sterile operating room don't mix. And neither do our sin and God's holiness. You know, we've heard a lot lately about a wall but there was a wall for centuries between us and God. It was erected by our sin and it prevented God's people from fully experiencing him. And God longed so much for relationship with us. He sent Jesus into our world to make a way to him. And Jesus became our access when he tore down the sin-erected wall by giving his life on the cross for us. Only Jesus has the power to deal with our sin. And only Jesus can get us from where we are to where we want to be with God. Some time ago, I, I read of a college logic class that was known for its very difficult exams. 
And to help the students, the professor uh, would allow them to bring in on an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper as much information as they could cram on it that would help them for their exam. And so the day of the exam, uh, students brought in pages that were just full of all of the facts they thought would be important. (coughs) Excuse me, and relevant. All except one student. Oh, he brought his piece of paper, but it was blank. And when he sat down, he put it down on the floor next to him, and onto it stepped an advanced logic student who gave him all the answers he needed (laughs) for the test. And he was the only student who got an A. (laughs) Friends, if you can imagine holding a piece of paper that represents your access to relationship with God, to his power in your life, to Christ's riches for you, What would be on that piece of paper? Would it be your goodness? Would it be your faithfulness and loyalty over all of these years? Would it be your assumption that you are deserving of whatever it is that God is giving out? Friends, the only thing on that proverbial piece of paper that can move us from where we are to where we want to be with God is Jesus Christ himself. And when we acknowledge that we are not good enough and that we are in need of what he has done for us on the cross, Jesus becomes our access to God. No matter where we've been, no matter what we've done. You know, one of our country's treasured documents is the the Declaration of Independence. It was a statement at a particular time that, that we as a country could stand on our own independent of England. Declarations of independence work great for nations. They don't work so well in our relationship with God. Ours is a declaration of dependence that through Jesus, we have boldness and freedom in access to God. Fortunately for me, that day at the Olympics, someone did come along with an extra ticket. And I was able to experience something I couldn't have on my own. Fortunately for us, Jesus came to tear down the sin-erected wall between us and God to become our access And we are able to experience relationship with God, his power at work in our lives, Jesus' riches for us in ways we couldn't have on our own. In Jesus, we have bold access to God. Whether you are a new believer, whether you have been on the faith journey for a long, long time, Let's make the most 
of that access, of the we that we can experience with God and all that he wants to bring in our lives as we do. Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, thank you for the great plan that you have had for us, that you would love us so much that you would pay a great price that we could still be with you. Lord God, I pray for each of us this morning. I pray whether this access is new for us. I pray whether uh, somehow our spiritual arteries have become hardened and we have not experienced in our lives what you promise and assure us that we can. Lord God, I pray for each of us this morning that we would find encouragement in these words that you are our access to God. May we take you up on that. May we make the most of that. Thank you for the incredible work that you have done in our lives to tear down this wall of sin that separated us from God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.